This podcast may contain themes that are unsuitable for some listeners. Please check the episode description for content warnings. A Court of Thorns and Roses, Chapter 7 The golden-haired High Fay and Lucian were lounging at the tables when Alice returned me to the dining room. They no longer had plates before them, but still sipped from golden goblets. I'm Katie. And I'm Ruth. And welcome to A Court of Thoughts and Proses. So this week's theme is comforting comfort. (laughs) Which is a bit ironic because Ruth and I are both not feeling great today. We both are not feeling our best, so it's ironic that we're doing comfort. (laughs) Well, it's Katie's turn to comfort us. So do you have a comforting story for us this week? I do. I do. So my sense of style has always been a little bit eclectic. Uh, I've always shopped in charity shops, vintage pieces, um, you know, borrowed from my mum. I've started making my own clothes more seriously, but I always kind of upcycled the things that I that I bought in charity shops. So it's always been a bit different than everyone else's. And I've never really followed trends particularly either, because if you're shopping in charity shops, you can't. You just have to shop what's there. And when I make fashion and style decisions, what always goes through my head when I'm making that choice as a teenager and now is the choice between fashion and comfort. (laughs) Do I want to be stylish and trendy and cool or do I want to be comfortable? And almost always, 98% of the time, I choose comfort. So for me, that means no high heels because I have fairly dodgy feet and, you know, I need supportive shoes. It means being very, very warm. So it's a running joke with my friends that I wear about four layers, even in summer, Uh, you know, an underlayer, thermal layers, long sleeve top, uh, wool jumper, another wool jumper over the top of that, usually got a scarf on, coat over the top of that, even though I'm inside, which is part of my chronic illness that I'm, I'm always cold or, you know, I'm not very good at regulating my temperature. But yeah, so I always pick, I always pick comfort over fashion. And the few times that I do choose fashion, I usually regret it because I'm cold and uncomfortable and I would just rather be cosy. And when we were at school, uh, Ruth and I went to the same high school, we used to have uh, non-uniform days. Coincidentally, our uniform did not allow trousers, only skirts. So I was always cold because they were like knee length skirts. So my legs were always always freezing. On our non-uniform days, everyone would pretty much wear the same thing. There were certain things that were very trendy. So um, Hollister was a very popular brand. Everyone would wear like Hollister jeans, Hollister top. And then it was usually a Jack Wills dark blue gilet. That was like the standard look, which I found hilarious that on a non-uniform day, you would look around the year group and everyone would look the same because they all wore the same outfit, the same trendy outfit. And on one of the non-uniform days, someone in my someone in my class came up to me and went, you always, you're such a hipster. And I was like, what? She's like, you're, you're such a hipster. You always wear dresses and big, big wool jumpers. And I was like, okay, I like dresses and big wool jumpers. Though. And what I was wearing for comfort she thought I was making a sort of edgy, I'm going to be different fashion choice. And I wasn't. I was just cosy in my, in my big wool jumper. And so I think that it's interesting that someone can look at something that you're comfortable in, that you think of as as normal and comfortable and cosy, and they can look at it in a different way. And they think you're making a you know big statement about like, oh, I'm a hipster. I'm cooler than you. And I think we see that in this chapter that what is comfortable to one person is not comfortable to someone else. 
and we really see it with Tamlin and Feyre. So I'm really excited to dig into that. It just makes me giggle because I forgot that we were so different in high school. <laughs> what did you wear? Skinny jeans, ripped jeans, flat band t-shirts, eyeliner, converse, the classic emo uniform. Interesting. Yeah. Very uncomfortable in a dress. Mm. I don't think I'm trying to remember if I used to wear dresses to No, I think I probably wore I probably wore like corduroy trousers because again, warmth. Classic. Classic. Well, before we get into our theme discussion, it's time for the 30 second recap and Ruth, it's your turn to go first. I normally quickly reread the chapter before we do this because I mm-hmm. have the short term memory of a goldfish and I haven't. So I don't know what you're going to get. Goldfish are Honestly. actually better than we think they are. Well, so we're probably, have... we're probably worse than a goldfish. All right, ready? Yes. Three, two, one, go. So I think Feyre comes downstairs after being plucked like a chicken and goes to eat. And Tamla's like, no, she doesn't want to eat. And then Tamla's like, yes, you should eat. And then she's like, nah, I don't want to eat any of your food. It's probably poisoned. Um, So she thinks about it and then she eventually eats anyway. And then he tells her that she can't eat enough anymore because she's going to be sick. And then Alice is a bit mean at the end of the chapter. That's the only thing I remember. She, Oh, because Feyre falls asleep and her little trap springs in her face, I think, when she's trying to get into the bedroom because she has a little trap with a rope. That's all I remember. That's... That, was, that was pretty good you got, you got all the main points right are you ready for your turn okay in three two one go okay so uh Feyre goes and eats food with Lucien and Tamlin but uh Tamlin like forces her to eat because she's really worried about eating fairy food in case it um forces her to stay there forever and Tamlin's like you need to eat otherwise you'll faint and then she goes to sleep and as we said sets up a trap for Alice and then Alice gives her some advice about like how to uh, manage living in the spring court. And she goes out into the garden and runs into Tamlin and has a slightly awkward interaction with him. Nailed it. It's quite a long one chapter. To, one thing to specify, though, is I think she ch- sets up the trap for anybody. All she specifically does. Tamlin. She does. And I would like to get into that because that uh, section made me very uncomfortable. Well... Convenient segue into the first point. Here we go. I wasn't even trying to be. (laughs) Do you want to start there? Absolutely. Take us away. So yeah, so we're going to skip around in the chapter a bit. But after Feyre has this awkward meal with Lucien and Tamlin, she goes to bed. And it's a very cosy, you know, down mattress, whatever. But she sets up this trap for anybody that would come into the room so that a rope from the curtain trimmings would thwack into their face and she was like and it hits Alice as Alice comes in and Faye was like oh I'm sorry I'm sorry and Alice like hisses at her and like why did you wreck the curtains a bit of rope snapping in our face isn't going to stop us from killing you if we wanted to like the fairies even Alice who's a servant is more powerful than than Faye like she could murder her if she wanted to but the bit that made me uncomfortable later on in the chapter Alice tells Tamlin about the trap and Tamlin says, was the tripwire you rigged in your room for me? Feyre says, can you blame me if it was? This is it. I might take an animal form, but I am civilised, Feyre. And I was like, what on earth does that mean? Is that Feyre expected him to break into her room at night? And Tamlin's rebuttal is, I'm civilised, Feyre. I wouldn't attack you at night. I just got a strong, like, 
undercurrent of like is Feyre expecting Tamlin to sexually assault her at night is that like is that why she locks her door and she sets up the trap I mean it's not exactly like they have a relationship built out of trust no very much not he's already touched her without her consent he's Mm. stolen her yeah I never looked at it that way that is a very good point oh oh Thinking of um, Tamlin and Feyre's relationship, I finally, listeners are going to be so frustrated with this, I finally worked out why it's captor versus saviour. Oh, okay. Finally worked it out. So the reason why Feyre keeps using this language about, oh, is he my captor, is he my saviour, is because she thinks that he could have murdered her. Uh... She thinks that he <laughs> saved her from the treaty, but we know that it's nonsense, uh... and she should never have been like kidnapped, taken by you know that there were no repercussions to Andrus's death. That that Tamlin doesn't own her life or anything. So uh... that whole dynamic of captor versus savior is a lie from the that he's her savior is a lie from the first place. Why does she even fall in love with him in the first place when she finds out he's been lying because of that? I don't know. We're going to need to look at that because it's tricky. Tricky to understand it. Yeah, where do you want to go to for comfort next? So I would love to take us back to when Alice gets snapped in the face by the rope when Farah sets off the little tripwire. Two points. First of all, that Alice feels comfortable enough with Farah to kind of snap at her in that way. Because when Feyre first got here, you know, she was kind of like using that motherly magic and soothing her over and being like, you just need to keep your eyes open, your ears Mm. peeled. (laughs) (laughs) That's not how you say it. That's not the right way around, but I like it. Keep your ears, keep your eyes and ears peeled. And at first when I read it, I got quite offended and I was like, oh, this is, Alice is snapping at Feyre for no reason when Feyre is obviously scared. But then if you think about it, it could be interpreted as the fact that Alice feels more comfortable about around Feyre now they've already established a relationship mm. and she's sort of happy. I mean, obviously she's showing those true emotions because she just got attacked and she panicked, but Alice is comfortable around Feyre enough to like tell her off and be like, girl, what are you doing? Yeah, and she sort of makes a joke of it. She's like, you know, my master said that that you can live here. You know, you need to trust him. Did you have to wreck the curtains? <laughs> you know, she... She feels comfortable enough with Feyre to to joke around and to start to build a, a better relationship with her. And and then they have a nice interaction where Feyre starts to push and try and find out information. Alice isn't that forthcoming, but then she is under restrictions from the curse. So I think she gives her as much information as, as perhaps Feyre could cope with at the moment and as much information as the curse will let her give about how it all works. Feyre does that to make the bedroom more comfortable for her. Feyre sets up a trap to make the bedroom more comfortable. And it reminds me of a TikTok that I saw, which was a lady in America who had a stalker. And Mm. basically what she was doing is she was setting up various extra locks, like sensors on her windows and like alarms extra on her doors in her flat. Yeah. Obviously to make her feel safe, not just for comfort, but to make her feel more safe because the police weren't going to do anything and she needed to be aware if she had a stalker. Yeah. And obviously going on with exactly what you said about Tamlin, the whole strange dynamic, I think it's completely fair for Feyre to do that because she doesn't feel comfortable. So she's trying to make herself feel better by using what she has. Yeah. What do you think the relationship is there between comfort and safety? Do you think they're like the same thing or do you think you need to have safety to then feel comfortable? I'd say safety brings comfort, but comfort doesn't bring safety. Yeah. 
because the room as is is like beautiful and it's got a nice bed and nice windows and view and whatever but until Feyre sets up that trap until she's safe she can't enjoy the luxury absolutely yeah actually let's move on to that because the the wealth in this chapter we talked a bit about class last time but the you know the gold goblets and this beautiful place again you know money gives you a huge amount of of comfort they can lounge about at their dining table they can have servants bring up plate after plate after plate of food they can eat off gold plates the spring court are very comfortable very happy apart from they're not they're outwardly comfortable they've got all the trappings of wealth and all the trappings of comfort but actually it's a fairly unsafe place to be it reminds me a lot of the class system in the UK which I think Mm. is something we've got because you can be comfortable in various levels Mm. but these guys have so much comfort it's almost no longer comforting because they have so much wealth going on it's like when you visit a really fancy place and you feel not appropriately dressed for it and it makes you feel uncomfortable I think you're right I think I think that's how Pharaoh feels this beautiful wealth everywhere and 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 yet it's not actually that comfortable shall we move on to Tamlin and Lucian making Pharaoh comfortable or uncomfortable because that whole scene is just fascinating to me Ooh, I love this bit so Feyre's not eaten for, well, she was already starving. Tamlin magicked her onto a horse for two days. So she's really, really, you know, she's about to faint. She's so hungry. And she doesn't want to eat because, as we said last time, um, fairy food, one of the legends is that you can't eat fairy food because then it, it traps you in the fairy lands forever. So she she thinks the food is, is, is poisoned, is tainted. And Tamlin can tell that she's bound to faint because she's like swaying on her feet and is like eat the food <laughs> Very like i'm not gonna eat the food he's like eat he's like i'm not gonna eat <laughs> and he like barks orders at her um and like tells her to sit down and he thinks he's being really helpful he thinks he's like i'm serving her needs oh she's about to faint and she needs to eat but what i find really interesting is Oh, and and the and one of the really awkward scenes. She sits down. Farah sits down at the table. Tamlin gets up and and serves her and piles food onto her plate and puts the food in front of her. And Farah is petrified. Farah is like sitting absolutely still so that he doesn't murder her. And Farah's like, "No, that's fine. I can serve myself." And Tamlin is really offended and is like, "It's an honor for a human to be served by a high fay." So. They're completely getting their wires crossed. Feyre is so uncomfortable and Tamlin thinks he's doing a really good job. And what he thinks he's helping, he thinks he's helping. And actually he's just making the situation worse. I love the fact that he is almost upset that he hasn't done a good job. Yeah. Because he's like, I will woo her. I know what to do. I will serve her food. And she's like, please don't touch me. Oh my God. (laughs) Please don't murder me. He's like, oh god i didn't didn't get that right (laughs) it's almost like he doesn't compute that a human wouldn't understand about his title and that it's very impressive to be served meat by a high fae yeah like she cares like she cares what you know that he's fairy nobility like she just cares about not getting murdered 
It reminds me a lot of when you go around to someone's house and they're like, oh, do you want a snack? And even if you do want a snack, you say no, because it's your first time in someone's house and you're like, no, I'm fine. Yeah. He's like, welcome to my home. Let me make you comfortable. Let me give you some food. And she's like, no, thanks. You're a murderer. I'm just going to sit here. That's good. Whereas we now, Ruth and I have been friends for, I don't even know how many years now. Many a moon. Many a moon. We are now at a point where Ruth will come to my house without being invited she will just show up and start like helping herself to food which to be honest is is the level that I want you to be at (laughs) she has all the good food I know where it's hidden (laughs) you do you do another really opposite expectations for what comfort is (laughs) it's hideous Tamlin compliments Feyre but they're so bad the compliments are so bad it's you look better than before and the second one is and your hair is clean <laughs> so the thing that I find interesting about this interaction with Feyre is that Tamlin is trying to fix Feyre's physical needs, he's trying to fix her food, he's trying to fix the fact that she was you know, filthy and covered in, in mud which is why she went and had the bath he's trying to make her feel less awkward by like comforting her he's trying to fix her physical needs but Feyre is actually far more concerned with her overall safety and and then the actually the only reason why she then eats is because she asks him all about what do you want me to do while I'm here um am I going to be your slave am I going to be in a dungeon do you want me to work like that's what Feyre is concerned with, is her big life questions. Whereas Tamlin's like, she needs to eat. And they just keep getting their wires crossed with what the what the priority is. We see that a lot in the relationship. A lot yeah. later on, when obviously their relationship for the readers, you know, starts to deteriorate after this book and into the second book. We yeah. see that Tamlin, again, isn't thinking about Feyre's sort of mental well-being. Yeah. He's just thinking about appearances and what they look like rather than how she's feeling. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And from Feyre's point of view, like, that is the most important thing. Is she going to be a slave? Is she going to be locked in a dungeon? Is she going to be a servant? Like, of course that's more important than does Tamlin think I'm pretty? It reminds me of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So it's the idea, it's a triangle, and the idea is that you have to have like physical comfort before you can have, I think it's mental comfort, and then like the the top of the triangle is like spiritual comfort or something. And the idea is that you have to have the first before you can can sort of go up. But I just don't think it's true. I think you can have spiritual comfort even if you're in a really dangerous place. And I think Feyre needs, yeah, as you said, needs the mental needs. <laughs> uh, she needs those mental issues fulfilled before she can actually relax and and eat the food i've just googled it and it's maslow's hierarchy of needs Mm. and it says physiological needs comes first that's air water food shelter sleep Mm. then safety needs personal security employment resources then love and belonging then esteem and then self-actualization so it's very interesting that faye was actually more concerned about her safety before her physiological needs yeah and I've seen it criticised for people with chronic illness as well, because your physiological needs are never met because you're in pain or you're tired or, you know, whatever. But that doesn't mean that you can't try and meet 
the needs that are higher up the higher up the chain actually i wonder if it's kind of so she's not worrying about those things well obviously she needs them but the food is like right there in front of her so she could eat if she wants so it's almost kind of like ah yes i could eat so what's the next thing i'm going to worry about well are my family okay am i safe because she's already established that there are things she can eat here and things she can do yeah yeah while we're there can we just quickly talk about lucian and tamlin's relationship yes let's do so when as you mentioned before she favor asks am i gonna be your slave and lucian chokes on his wine that he's trying to he's trying to laugh and he's hiding a giggle and i just love the fact that this entire conversation is those two just laughing at how bad tamlin is with the ladies and i love the comfort that they have with each other and the fact that after this favor went upstairs lucian was probably absolutely pissing himself at tamlin and his terrible attempts to be like you have clean hair yeah yeah um where's the line about yeah, your skills with females have definitely become rusty in recent decades. <laughs> Lucian's like, you're terrible with women. <laughs> and he is. He's not wrong. To be fair, though, like Lucian does try and help. After the first terrible compliment, Lucian sort of gives Tamlin an encouraging nod and is like, yeah, yeah, you know, keep, keep going, keep, keep complimenting. But actually, Lucian's wrong. He thinks that that Feyre wants compliments, and as we've established, she doesn't really want compliments. She wants to know if she's going to be a slave. Um, I'm not sure if this is comfort, but the Feyre asks Tamlin if he's high Fey uh, when she starts to question like what the situation is in the high in the Spring Court. She says, "You're high Fey, fairy nobility." Lucian coughed and looked to Tamlin. You can take that question. Yes, we are, and. I just think that that's interesting that Tamlin, maybe he doesn't want to make her uncomfortable with the the nuances of high fae, lesser fae, um, you know, the kind of class structure that's going on there. But I think he's got a pr- tremendous amount of privilege to just answer that fairly loaded question with just like, yeah, I am. You know, it's the equivalent of someone being like, are you rich? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> no other, no other comments. <laughs> yes, and I think that that might be the reason that he will never fully understand Feyre, mm. and he always tries to meet her physical needs because he doesn't understand what it's like to have those issues that she's got. Yeah, and and actually that links nicely to we talked about Lucian and Tamlin have a lot of wealth and and privilege. And Feyre says, my family won't last a month without me. Do you know what it's like to be hungry? And Lucian laughs. Lucian and Tamlin have never known poverty. They've never known hunger. And I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think Tamlin maybe struggles to bond with her on that level because how can he understand what it's like to to be, be in that desperate situation? And then Tamlin thinks he's being really kind and he promises that uh, her family are alive and being cared for. But he doesn't he doesn't explain what that means. He doesn't explain whether that's money or, you know, food parcels, how the family are being cared for. And, you know, obviously that's Feyre's first 
priority or maybe second, you know, her own safety and then her family's safety. So why didn't he, why didn't he tell her that? Why was he messing about wasting time telling her how clean her hair was when obviously what she really cares about is, are my family dead? Are my family starving to death whilst I'm here in this, you know, beautiful, luxurious manner? I like the way that this illustrates that it's difficult to find comfort in people that don't have similar life experiences to you, or it shows Mm. that you find more comfort in people that have similar life experiences. So often I find because I was bullied in like primary school and secondary school, and obviously I have mental health issues and all that kind of stuff. I relate more to people who have at least some similar kind of trauma because I feel like they understand me. Mm. And I feel like with rice cakes, Reese, they find comfort in each other because they have both experienced the bad things. Yeah. I mean, I've been quite rude about Tamlin, but he keeps being stupid, so I'm going to have to keep being rude about him. Uh, Favourite eventually sits down to eat the meal. However, Tamlin uses magic again to restrain her, non-consensually, to force her to stay in the chair until she eats something. And he also then threatens her. He said, if you leave Prithian then your family won't receive uh, the care that, that I'm providing. And uh, I don't know whether that's extortion or bribery or threat, but he, you know, certainly a crime. And he forcibly restrains her until she eats. And then when she goes for a second helping of chocolate cake, chocolate tort, the food disappears and he says, one more bite and you'll hurl your guts up, leave. And it's just so controlling It's so unpleasant, especially if you have a complicated relationship with food, like we talked about last time. You know, Vera has spent most of her teenage years and all of her adult life hungry, and he's put this feast in front of her, forced her to eat it, and then forced her to not eat it. And he's probably right that if she carried on eating the chocolate cake, then she would throw up, because her her body physically wouldn't be used to having having rich foods, but let Feyre set those limits, you know, or don't put everything out at once and, you know, make it all formal. Give her little portions of more plain food to start with so that eases her into it or ask her what she would like to eat. You know, he serves her again. He picks up the plate and puts food onto her plate. He doesn't ask her what she would like to eat. And I just don't like it. I just think it's really controlling. And I think he's he's not making her comfortable. He thinks he is, but he's just not. It reminds me of, you know, when kids often who've been... Had food... I'm trying to think of a good way to say this. It's, food insecurity? You know, when, yeah, food insecurity and food hoarding. How often when people foster kids, there's a lot of talk about you have to let them hoard food and like yeah. have somewhere where they have those stores. So in kind of taking that away from her, yeah, it's just doing exactly what the world did. So it's not really going to make her feel any better. Yeah, it's not letting her, not letting her set limits. Oh, Tamlin. And he wonders why she freaking ribbed up, rigged a rope. He yeah. wonders why. Why? Why <laughs> she doesn't? Of him. It's not. It's not built on trust. It's not built on. And I, I like. I get why it's not built on mutual trust. I think he's in a position of power. He's in a position of, you know, he's in control of the situation. And so it's it's on him to make her feel welcome. And I just don't think he's doing it. 
it reminds me of narcissists mm. because they control you and they only reward you when you do something that they want you to do. So he's completely controlling her yeah. and only letting her have free will when she does what he wants her to do, but also doing it in her best interests yeah. when surely her best interests would be to be left alone. I know he's got to cure a curse and whatever, but yeah. Yeah, so my final my final bit for, for Tamlin not respecting Feyre's boundaries is they meet each other in the garden and Tamlin tells her some of the truth about the curse. Yeah, so he, he tells her as much as he physically can because the the curse restrains him from telling her everything. So, uh, so he tells her that there's a sickness, it's been spreading for 50 years, um, my powers are diminished, the masks are stuck to our face because of because of the blight is what he calls it. Um, but it's actually it's actually Amarantha. It's actually the, the evil fairy. So he's telling her some of the truth, which is something. But the moment just before, he asks her if she wants a tour, she says no. He says, Oh no, I'll I'll come anywhere, I need some fresh air. She goes, I'm fine, I don't want it. And then he asks again. A half smile, not so pleasant, no doubt unused to being denied. He's not listening to her saying no. She said, you know, explicitly, no thank you. And then again, she's going, I'm fine, casually dodging around him. She's physically trying to get away from him. And he is just not listening. He is not listening. She is uncomfortable. And it just reminds me of guys who are like oh I never take no for an answer I'm like well you really don't understand consent then <laughs> it just reminds me of guys that are entitled like guys that buy you a drink at a club and then feel like they're entitled to get off with you yeah like you owe them something no I do not yeah yes Tamlin you invited her into her the home but also you stole her so no yeah yeah are we still doing Lectio Divina we are! So Lectio Divina is a Christian monastic practice where you pick a sentence at random and then you go down different levels of meaning from from the literal meaning to allegorical to what it reminds you of in your own life and then what does it call you to do. So we're going to pick a random sentence. While my nose was relatively straight, it was the other feature I'd inherited from my mother. Oh, this is the this bit infuriates me so much. But she's talking about her appearance and how she looks just like her mum and a lot of people she knows. And she's like, "That's why Nesta's so mean to me because I look just like all the people she hates." And it's like, no, Nesta is so bad that she takes that out on you. It makes me really angry about Nesta as a person. This bit. Okay. So yeah. So that's that's first step. Feyre is looking at herself in the mirror and her nose is straight and she inherited that from her mum and then she talks about her eyes as well because she inherited her eyes from her mother and Nesta looks the same. Let's move on to allegorical meanings. So this is anything that it reminds us of in other forms of art. So that might be books or TV or poetry. While my nose was relatively straight, it was the other feature I'd inherited from my mother. I can just tell this discussion is going to devolve straight into the talk of like beauty standards mm. and it reminds me of surgery and all the importance of looking pretty. I literally watched a YouTube video the other day about how to get a rich husband and one of the things she recommends is getting a nose job to have a straight nose. Oh my goodness. Well, that, I mean, that just reminds me of, of Friends, of Jennifer Aniston's, you know, the, the Rachel character getting a, getting a nose job. It also reminds me of, I recently watched the final Shrek film, Shrek Forever After, and 
then I watched a really fantastic YouTube video. I'll link it if I can find it about uh, about beauty standards in the Shrek universe and what it means. Basically, to be beautiful is a political move because if you are beautiful, you know you have more political power. People pay attention to you. It, it's not something that the the argument that the video makes is that you can't just reject beauty standards and be like it doesn't matter I love me for me because we don't live in a world that lets us do that so I think it's interesting that Feyre is looking at herself and saying that she's that she's unattractive partly because well I mean she says I was a far cry from ugly but she feels like she carries too much of too much of the features from her family members to to look at herself there's too much there's too much guilt and weight and she thinks of her mother every time she looks in the mirror what does this remind you of in your own life Do you, what does it remind you of your in your life? In my own life well my nose was relatively straight it was the other feature i'd inherited from my mother i think it reminds me of how much how much i owe my my mum how much i owe her because you know, she's she's effectively my, my part-time carer whilst I'm living at home and she helps me out a lot emotionally, physically and, you know, she's fairly bullshit and I hope that that's something that I've inherited from her but also I inherit a lot of physical stuff from her I inherit her clothing that she doesn't want anymore her jewellery and, and, and things like that so, yeah, I guess it reminds me of physical inheritances but also emotional inheritances oh. does it remind you of anything in your life it reminds me of the plant nose the plant nose so for context for people who have never met me before or my family there is something called the plant nose which is the biggest nose you have ever seen in your life and it skips generations my dad has the plant nose my brother has the plant nose and basically we have like a big bump on our noses and I kind of have a tiny one and I got away with it but my brother has a full-on plant conquer it is amazing and me and my brother are also both six foot and our my parents our parents are like five six five seven and it's just kind of funny how genes work and it just reminds me that I am blessed every day and I didn't end up with the plant nose. Not that there's anything wrong with those kind of noses. Just personally, I don't want one. Okay, so what does it call you to do in your own life? Yeah, it reminds me to look at my brother's nose with love and be grateful that we have genes that we can inherit. <laughs> what about you? I suppose it reminds me... Well, it kind of calls me to do two things. It calls me to be less critical of other people. I think I'm not bad at... At not being judgmental of my inner parents but sometimes when I'm walking down the street I'll I'll make snap judgments about what people look like and that's something that I really want to try and avoid because that can lead to a tremendous about a, a tremendous amount of prejudice and discrimination if you're judging people on what they look like so it's something I want to kind of train out of my brain and the other thing it calls me to do is just to tell my mum how grateful I am every day that she looks after me and not to take it for granted because I think sometimes I do just like now she's cooking dinner for me right now and I'm like no I'm busy no I'm busy I'm making a podcast <laughs> so I need to go say thank you for her for making me dinner who would you like to bless I don't want to be convoluted in my blessing but okay. I would like to bless Tamlin okay 
because I feel like there is no way that he can win in any way in this chapter or in this situation. He has to kidnap someone against their own will to essentially save everybody under the mountain. Yeah. There is nothing. So either he can let loads of people die or he can, you know, not force someone to come and live and love with him. I feel like there is just no way he can win. So this is a blessing for anybody who has to make difficult decisions and both decisions cause negative consequences or unwanted consequences in any way. That's tough. Yeah, I think I think that's really fair, actually, that maybe their relationship is, is doomed to fail because there's no way that he could do this in a healthy way <laughs> and, and save everybody in Prithian. There's just, yeah, there's no way to do it. Who are you blessing this week? I want to bless Feyre because she's actually quite polite in this chapter to Tamlin and Lucian. You know, she she doesn't snap at them. She asks them important questions. And same to Alice, she like apologises for, for, for setting up the trap and for it hitting her in her face. And when Tamlin sort of accosts her in the garden, he goes, you! And she goes, good morning. And I... <laughs> I just want to bless her for being polite in the face of a very difficult situation. And I'm not saying that manners can solve everything, because obviously they can't. But I think there might be some sort of sort of spiteful satisfaction in being the most polite person in a room if someone else is being really unpleasant to you, to being able to take the high road and being like, well, at least I remembered your name. <laughs> at least I remembered to say good morning <laughs> instead of going, you! True that. Um, and I think it's especially bad on the internet because the default position is often to be rude to people or, you know, to become entrenched in, in one viewpoint and forget to see anyone else's. And I think Vera maybe provides a good model for us of staying fairly calm and asking questions and finding out information before she makes snap judgments and still staying polite. So thank you for listening to A Court of Thoughts and Proses. Please subscribe and leave a review if you've enjoyed this episode. This episode was produced by both of us and edited by me. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at ACTAP Podcast, A-C-O-T-A-P. Thank you to the Harry Potter and the Sacred Text Podcast who let us borrow their structure. See you later. Bye everyone. I just think it's kind of a double standard. So Tamlin expects her to be ex. Tamlin expects expects. Is that how you say it? Expects. Expects. Oh, I say it weird. Tamlin wants favor. <laughs>